Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your host, Michael Zakor, founder and chief strategist at Five New Digital. We are a retail and digital commerce consultancy and a proud member of the Rethink Retail community. Today, we're going to be talking to Scott Morris, who is the co-founder and president of Fresh Pet, a pet food company that is pioneering meatless possibilities that has recently introduced Spring and Sprout the only mass retail fresh vegetarian dog food. So really interesting subject. So we'd like to welcome Scott to the show. Scott, thanks for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. Nice to meet you. I think I'd just like to start because your, your experience in the industry is vast and deep. And first of all, you just you know, maybe tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your experience in the pet industry and specifically the pet food industry and how you came to be a co-founder at, at Fresh Pet. Just catch us up with your story. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll try and I'll try and do the short version of this. I know sometimes people can go on, but and I'll start a little further back. But I, I always felt like I was going to be an entrepreneur. I I had lots of small businesses in high school and college, and then in in when I was in college, I was fortunate enough to run track, which was was a terrific experience. And I will put a, a brief ad in for anyone participating in sports at any level. I think it's a great life experience, and and so I can't kind of exude that you know, more that I think that's a great opportunity for people. But I started in a sales management program at a company called Purina that most people have heard of. And it eventually became Nestle Purina. And I worked in general management and marketing. And I would say I got a lot of really kind of classic training from a, from a great, great company. And then a little later on, I had an opportunity to work with a few private equity firms in the pet food space. And um, we were very, very successful. We more than doubled sales. And and made 9x our money in, in a few years. Uh, it was actually four years. And then, so I'm kind of like 35, and I had a bit of money, and um, I'd been kind of a student of human nutrition and, and of the consumer, and I was watching what was going on, and we just thought there was a tremendous opportunity to change pet food and think differently about pet food. Um, so we started looking at what was used in pet food, even deeper than what I had done historically and, and found that we really could apply some of the things that were going on on the human side of the business where people were thinking about fresher food, less processed, that those things were healthier. Why couldn't we do that for the furry members of our family? And it kind of led us to start Fresh Pet. So we wanted to, we made food differently. And the idea was it wasn't just that we were making food differently. We wanted to do things better for pets and for people. So we, we typically start with like fresh, high quality ingredients that are like gently processed. Meats are typically kind of the foundation. I know you mentioned in the vegetarian product we came with, but meats are generally the foundation of what we brought to market. They're less cooked and it provides better bioavailability for the pets. And we use refrigeration as our preservative. And it's been a really an amazing journey. We started in 2006. We had a private equity investment in 2011. We IPO'd in November of 2014, and today we're about a $3 billion market cap and $750 million in sales, over 30,000 fridges at retail across North America. Mm. Um, and I, I really think we have changed pet food forever. And I think some of the things we're proudest of is 
it's not that we've just changed the category. It's how we went about doing it and how we worked with different people and partners and um, how we kind of have, I'd say, touched the world and the type of company that we built. Yeah. So on that thread, um, how did you do it? What did you do differently? You know, there's, there's a lot of startups traditionally in, in the pet space, whether it's in foods or accessories or toys, you know, it's a hotbed of startup activity. How over the past almost 20 years now, did you separate yourself from the pack, so to speak? Well, I think we started off in the beginning with what was our food ideology and it, most things in pet food and all things when we really started were pretty much dry kibble or canned products that sit on the shelf. And, and that was our big kind of aha or real question mark on why can't we make fresh refrigerated foods that are just very different than what's out there today. And I think, and again, I'd been in the industry for a long time, but I didn't question many of the things that were being done. And what I think we realized was there's billions of dollars of infrastructure that have been built around those two food forms, which is can or wet and dry, which is extruded. But we thought that we could really build something that was a better product. And that better product was for pets. And we found out that there, by less fresher ingredients and less processing, there was better, that better bioavailability. And then the other thing we started finding out is that consumers were thinking differently about their own nutrition, as I, I touched on a moment ago. Yeah. And that was transferable. That idea of how I'm thinking, how I should be eating, that was transferable to their pets. And when we kind of started peeling it apart, we're like, we need to make sure that we build a great product. We need to build a terrific brand. We need to build a, you know, a different company in order to support that in a different type of approach in order to support that. And when we first came up with the idea, we actually went out and started trying to find some people to make products for us. And we found that no one in pet food could do it. And no one on the human side wanted to touch it because it was like, if I'm making if I'm making food for humans and now I'm making pet food, it was seen as very taboo. Uh, mm. So we needed to kind of move away from that. And then I think what we realized over time was to get exactly what we want, we kind of had to do it ourselves. Mm. So it was incredibly, incredibly complex and incredibly capital intensive, but we kind of started doing our own manufacturing. We ended up having to build our own basically refrigerated distribution network. There's no refrigerators in stores that, that house our products. So we had to start buying refrigerators to put them in the stores and we had to figure out how to formulate it, how to manufacture it. It was, I would say it was incredibly complex. Mm. And I think that like all founders, I think that we, we had incredible tenacity and some stubbornness, um, but we also adapted and, and learned what was relevant for consumers and, and made sure we were bringing great product that gave, basically gave them what they wanted to feed their pets. What's up? What role did e-commerce play in the growth of the company over the last 10 years? And, you know, as, as retail has evolved into a more unified commerce channel where, you know, integrating that experience in the physical stores and the digital, digital realm, how did you guys adjust to, you know, the massive growth in, in pet products online? Yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting. So we obviously started out when we were in 2006, 7, 8, 9, right, when we first started. We were very, very focused on on brick and mortar, and we mm -hmm. felt like we're over time. What we have not only seen, but we believed in the beginning was people would primarily buy fresh pet food where they were buying fresh food for themselves, mm -hmm. and that has stayed somewhat true. It's been pretty pretty interesting evolution. So we we felt like we wanted to go to market. 
we wanted to basically cover many different types of retail formats. So, so for us, you not only have pet stores, but you have grocery stores, you have you know, mass stores, you have club stores, natural food. So we basically took a, a fairly aggressive, but I'd say very broad approach to covering many different types of retailers that we wanted to work with, with different brands and different propositions. They were all under the fresh put umbrella. But we brought those to market first and we felt like we wanted to establish ourselves at retail because shipping fresh food through the mail, which was the original model early on, was incredibly complex. Mm. So I'd say for the first 10 years, that's really where we focused. And I think we started moving into a space where we weren't focused on direct to consumer e-commerce, but we were starting to think about how do we really start doing more and more of our advertising and communications mm. and social and digital. And one of the things that was interesting was I do remember many debates with our board years ago, and there was a real push to move to more and more digital communication. And we could never quite get the ROI that we, we mm. see doing like a lot of the TV that we had done. Um, and we, I would say we're a really good kind of student and, and very, very rigorous on how we do the analysis and evaluate the, the return that we get in our advertising. So we, we started moving into it, but we still stayed the majority of our advertising in TV all the way through. And in the last few years, once we finally were able to have enough supply to make sure all of our brick and mortar retailers were satisfied and we had full fridges, which was a huge problem for years, we just mm. could not keep up with the growth and the expansion and keeping our fridges full. Then I think in the last really 12 months uh, or so, we started to think more and more about how, what we can do from an e-commerce standpoint. Mm. And literally just recently in the, in the past month or so, we launched a new initiative with Petco where mm. it is basically a, we're using them. They're, they're a great partner and we're working with them to establish this e-commerce basically part of Fresh Pet. But the idea is that someone would come on to, they can come to our site, they can go to their site. They sign up for a subscription and it's custom meals. It's literally customized mm -hmm. for a consumer and the specific needs of their dog, the weight attributes about your dog, digestive, and do you have any digestive issues? Do you have any of the health issues that may come into play? And we give them specific products and specific feeding guidelines, and then they end up on a subscription. Mm -hmm. um, and you can sign up through, you know, sign up for that through Petco. And that is not, now it's a custom product, but it's also convenient. It's delivered to their doorstep mm -hmm. on a regular cadence. So you're on like a subscription. So that's kind of our, one of our newest things that we've recently launched. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I am the, the proud and adoring father of a two-year-old Cocker Spaniel, American Cocker Spaniel named uh, Amber. And, uh, you know, it really resonates for, for me, the, the fresh pet messaging about look, you know, this is family. Like if, to, to us, she's not a pet. She is literally a, a member of the family and we, we treat her as such. And, you know, I, I recently watched a couple of the new ad spots you did, the one with the mother-in-law yep. and, and the one with the potential date and, and, and both the mother-in-law and the potential date reacted with incredulity to seeing uh, pet food in the fridge with the human food. And really, really effective. And I think really resonated. And I, so how is that now that like you've overcome kind of that first hurdle where you're convincing people, you know, um, you know, pet families that their pet deserves fresh food and healthy food in much the same way they do. Now you're making that switch to introducing the vegetarian line. And, you know, I'll admit my, my first thought was, Wow, veg vegetarian dogs? 
does that not go against the natural order of things? So love to hear more about where that idea came from, how you're rolling out, how it's going and how you project that to uh, roll out in the next couple of years. Yeah. L- let me, yeah, I'd love to tell you a little bit about that. So it's interesting because I think I mentioned earlier that most of what we had done historically was a meat first platform. So meat was the majority of where the dog's protein fat came from. So, so taking on this, making a vegetarian food was very, very different ideology. But I do think that when we think about what we're trying to do in the category, we're always trying to get consumers, you know, thinking differently about how to nourish their pets. And what we were recognizing was there was more and more consumers that were struggling both from an environmental standpoint and from an animal ethics standpoint around Mm. what to feed their dog. So they're either vegetarian or vegan themselves. So Mm. we started recognizing there's a real opportunity in the market um, to, to do this. And I think it's really this spring and sprout becomes this great platform for us to deliver these vegetarian meals. And I think that we, when we founded Fresh Pet, we founded it on these principles. And I think some of those, those principles really led us to this vegetarian product. So, um, we wanted to think differently about food and this was the next step forward. So from, we, we talk about those, those principles as nourishing pets, people, and the planet. So you think about pets, how do you nourish pets? Well, through food, but we also want to do things that enhance pets' lives. From people, we want to nourish mm. people. So anyone who touches our company, we want them to come away better off. Make sure that everyone wins is the shorthand that we use. And then the last one is planet. Like nourish the planet, right? Mm. So how do, we, how do we nourish the planet? How do we make sure that we have the lowest impact we possibly can? So if we looked at those principles and values that we initially started with, and now we're recognizing this consumer opportunity, we felt it was really another horizon for us to basically bring a new product to market and really meet a consumer need. So um, we basically took those three pieces into play, into play and thought about, wow, a vegetarian product, it's kind to the planet. It's kind to its animals on the planet. Um, it's good for people. It's a healthy solution for their pets. Um, they don't have to sacrifice taste, which is called palatability in pet food. They great nutritional benefits. And, and it is different than our typical meat-focused ideology. So it's meat first, but it's really protein first. In this case, it's plant protein first. Mm. And then we're using cage-free eggs, which is a really, really critical component of making the product nutritionally appropriate for dogs. So we, did, we had to do extensive nutritional testing. Uh, we had to do feeding studies, make sure it had the same great products that, that our other products do. And I do think that where we saw was this is not only a great consumer solution for people that were concerned about the environment and the welfare, but I think it was another way for us to deliver kind of on our mission and our principles and our values. And we are really, really proud to pioneer this space, what it stands for, and, and look, have healthy pets and a healthy planet at the same time. Yeah. So just to be clear for myself and, and the audience, is it sustainable for the pet to eat the vegetarian only diet or is it to be mixed with some meat products as well? We designed this so it can be fed exclusively. And, and I think the thing that's, that's really important is I think there is a perception that dogs are only carnivores. Dogs are what they call obligate carnivores. So that means they can, they will eat meat if they can find it. But one of the things that they do when they are eating, you know, animals is they will eat the inside of that animal that is a typically a grazing animal. So Mm -hmm. they will get carbohydrates through that. So it's a careful balance, but we designed it so it can be fed exclusively and making sure that there's enough protein for the dog. And it's also not just enough protein, but it's the right types of protein 
and going back to the idea of bioavailability. So we do whenever we launch a product, we do long-term feeding studies that make sure, and we do extensive testing to make sure that dogs are getting every single thing that they need in order to maintain a really healthy, long, healthy lives. Yeah, well, listen, my, my Amber loves carrots. We give her little baby yeah. carrots as a, a treat and she absolutely adores them. You know, I can see where this is starting out appealing to somewhat of a niche community, um, you know, probably resonating first with vegetarians and vegans. Um, what's the educational process going to be, though, for gaining wider acceptance and understanding that you can keep your pet healthy and happy and help the planet? Uh, and help yourself through a vegetarian diet? Is it going to be a similar journey from, you know, getting people to understand that you can do fresh food that goes in the fridge? Um, is there a similar path to acceptance for the vegetarian that got you to where you are with the original products? I, I do think it's actually a similar path. And the thing that I think is important to, to note is we think we're only part of the way through on the initial path, which is getting people to, to think about fresh food and for their pets, because, you know, we've all grown up. Most people have grown up using, you know, dry and, and, and canned foods. Mm -hmm. And there was something that we deployed years ago and we started talking about how do we get people to flip the bowl? Meaning mm. they change, like, how do they, we get them to start with fresh as the center of the bowl, just like from a human standpoint, we want to start as fresh as the center of our plate. So that was something that took a very, very long period of time. There's now 10 million consumers over the course of a year that use FreshPet. And we know wow. that there's over 20 million opportunity out there. So we know that mm. we can more than double the potential of FreshPet. Now, starting specifically with Spring and Sprout, that kind of falls under that umbrella of educating consumers that fresh, simply processed, refrigerated food is actually a great solution in many, many aspects. Uh, for consumers and healthy food for their pets. Um, and we do need to start educating consumers that you can feed a vegetarian diet, um, that it can be healthy for your dog. It can be just as tasty. People start thinking vegetarian for my dog. Oh my God, that can't taste good. My dog's not going to like it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it does come to mind. Um, uh, so we have to do that same education process where we continually like work people through explaining what it is, why they need it why it's interested and why it can be healthier, better for their pet. And a lot of that comes down to making sure that for consumers, that you're fulfilling that emotional motivation. So when we think about products and packaged goods, most of the time you'll hear something referred to as like an emotional motivation because people are, they want to say they're logical, but at the end of the day, they're emotional animals. Mm -hmm. So we try and take that into consideration mm -hmm. all along the entire product journey, that making sure that consumers are fulfilling all the aspects that are important to them and making sure that it's emotionally satisfying for them. So if you, if you bring home uh, the example, I like to use, if you brought home organic spinach for your kids when they're younger and they eat the spinach and like, I love this spinach, this is terrific. And all of a sudden their, their hair and their skin starts to looking healthier and they have more energy and they're going, mom, I love this. I want more of this. And then you realize they seem to have even more energy you're going to start feeling like a really smart, great parent. Mm -hmm. And that's the same cycle that we like to see with fresh pet. So when we're designing our products, we want to make sure we're fulfilling that emotional motivation. I want to be a good parent. How can I nourish my pet, my kid in this case, how can I nourish them, give them something that they love, but I feel really, really good about feeding them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Just uh, we're coming up on time here. A couple more questions. You've made clear that at early focus on on building out through physical retail, what was so important is setting the foundation. I'm just curious about you know what the relationship is like with the retailers who who carry um, Fresh Pet, and and how did that relationship develop over time? You know what kind of mutual feedback was there? You know in the role that the retailers themselves played. In, in helping to big the success, uh, the success of Fresh Pet. And, you know, was it a struggle at first? Did it get easier? Just curious about the relationship between the brand and the retailers. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating because it's been such a key part of our journey. In the very beginning, to think about it, so, you know, 15, 17 years ago, we walked into retailers and said, hey, we got this new product and we want you to clear out some, a bunch of space in the middle of the store and we want you to put a refrigerator there. And want to put this fresh food in there, but we can't get the fresh food in through the normal ways that you may get pet food in. We want to ship it into the back room in the dairy section. And we want the dairy guy to run across the store and stock it into the pet food section. So, I mean, we were quite honestly, there were multiple times we were openly laughed at. We were told, we, I mean, there was one meeting I was at in 2010 with Whole Foods. It was kind of like a pitch slam type of thing. There were over a hundred people there. It was like a big auditorium space. I walked in, I put my first slide up and I was being very bold. It said, the future of pet food is fresh. Before I was able to talk, I started getting heckled from the audience. They're like, the future of pet food is dry. The future is raw. I, it got to the point where I was trying, and it got, then they started arguing among themselves. And it was, it was literally, I think my pitch ended up getting slammed more than me pitching them on anything. Uh, I, I only got through a few pages of the presentation and I kind of walked out of there and you do, you hold your head and you kind of wonder, oh my goodness, if Whole Food doesn't get it, is this a good idea? Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was, it was, it was pretty challenging, but we, look, we put our heads down, we continue to move forward and we knew that there were great opportunities and, um, what we always try to do is make sure, I, I mentioned earlier this idea of make sure everybody wins. Well, we wanted to make sure that we were designing a proposition that wasn't just good for consumers, it was good for our retailer partner. So how does it provide traffic for the aisle? How mm -hmm. does it provide good margins for the retailers? How does it provide frequent return purchases, incremental new consumers? So we really designed all that into the proposition. And one of the things that we do that's very unique is we do no discounting whatsoever. Um, but that keeps margins at an appropriate level for the retailer. So I, I, retailers have been, there's, we have many different partners. They've been extraordinary to work with. I think in the beginning, there was a lot of skepticism, but they've been extraordinary to work with and really great supporters. And what's starting to happen now is where in the beginning we were kind of that laughed at, they are now see, starting to see us as the growth engine for the entire pet food aisle. He who laughs last, it's, you know, there's that beautiful satisfaction of you know, persevering and, and continuing to believe in the mission and, and, and fighting your way through the resistance, which I think actually can bring us all the way kind of full circle back to the top of the conversation. You were a startup once, you've been through the trials and tribulations of, of growing from a startup to a, you know, billion dollar company. On your website, you talk a lot about working with multiple startup companies with strong social missions. Um, and, and a focus on improving food in the world. Can you just tell us a little bit about, you know, what those relationships look like and, and how you're in a sense paying it forward to the, these new startups? Yeah, I, look, I, I feel that people helped us along our journey. And I think personally, this is about 
um, not building a great company. And honestly, it's about legacy and like what, how did I touch the world and improve it? So I do want to pay it forward as much as possible. And um, there's a brand called Once Upon a Farm. It's a refrigerated baby food. And I've, I've worked with them for several years. Mm. And clean label, pesticide and heavy metal free. They use renewable energy. They have a strong social mission on 1 million meals to kids in need, which is terrific. There's another company called Plaper, which is actually all paper-based toys for kids that use, and it's really cool what they've done. They use recycled materials and it can be recycled. They actually have no plastics, just, just fun for the kids and families. And they use augmented reality with these paper-based mm. toys that, again, can be recycled at the end. If anyone does have a kid, the amount of plastic toys, it, it's pretty extraordinary. So uh, they do great work. I, I've co-founded another, it's a sustainable marketplace. It's basically like an online retailer called Hive Brands uh, with a handful of people. And the goal there is to make it easy for millions of consumers to make sustainable choices in, in all types of food products. Um, and think about the impact. If we can get people to make better choices in the products they buy, think about the impact that you can have on you know, the environment and also the world. So I think there, those are some of the examples. There's another one called Pure Simple Foods, which is a, um, a combination of a couple of cereal companies called Lark Ellen and Banner Road. So there's a, there's a pretty long list of, of people that I, I like to work with and help and support. Um, I'm really, really proud to be able to be associated and, and help these guys succeed too. Truly inspiring story. Fresh pet, you know, good for our pets, good for our dogs, good for our, our families, good for the environment. Great win, win, win story. Scott Morris, co-founder, president of Fresh Pet. Thank you very much for joining the Rethink Retail podcast today. Love to have you on again sometime and, you know, talk more about how the rollout of the, uh, the vegetarian line is, is developing. Thank you so much for joining us today. No, thank you for having me, Michael. Very nice talking with you. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.